We talking rom-com, we talking action, we talking drama and movie classics. Whatever you want, yo, we have it. Cause we talking movies on a podcast. So I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. Hey honey, I just wanna so talk I about the movie like casually. Critic. You don't have to so bring up very cinematography. Honestly, let's just talk about like how the characters were fun. Married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So Welcome to So I Married a Film Critic. I'm your co-host Julia. And this is Barry the Film Critic. Hello, everyone. My favorite song about trains is Elvis Presley's Mystery Train. And my second favorite would have to be Quad City DJ's Come On Ride the Train. Fun fact, when I was in high school, that was the most popular song uh, when I was graduating that summer of 96. I love that song. And my dear friend Royce Lanning said to me, you know, Barry, that, that song's about sex. You know that, right? I'm like, no, no, it's not. He's like, uh, the line is, Michelle, Tamika, and Tanya want to ride that train. I said, Oh. <laughs> wow, I, I I didn't know that either. True story. Oh. You've just uh blown my mind. Demystified a song mm-hmm. that's over twenty five years old. Yeah. But hey, I love Quad City DJs. Just wanted to start off talking about something I love, as opposed to something I don't love, which is the movie we're talking about tonight, Bullet Train. Hi. This is Gunner. Shh, well, it's the quiet car. Can't use your small inside voice in here, son. There's a car. God. <laughs> Talk to me. I am ready. You're getting the new and improved me. Because if you put peace out in the world, you get peace back. I think you might be forgetting what you do for a living. Take the gun. Every job I do, somebody dies. I'm not that guy anymore. Some conflicts require a gun. Hey, this is nice. Bullet Train. Bullet Train. 2022. Yes, came out uh, just recently. It was the end. It was the last big summer film of the summer of 2022. So we began our summer with Tom Cruise uh, returning to the mantle of the biggest movie star in the world. And we ended the summer with Brad Pitt in this movie, which uh, which which did well. Which should have been better. Yeah. I mean, it, it, had, uh, it had everything going for it. Uh, the cast, the production, so many things. But yeah, I, I didn't see the film in the theater. I'm one of the few people who didn't. Uh, it was so successful. It was in theaters for a long time. It was very popular. The critics weren't universally in love with it. And I know a lot of people who are kind of uh, on the fence about it for a number of reasons. And we'll get into those sort of reasons. I was looking forward to seeing it. It was one of these trailers that was around for, I mean... You knew this thing was coming before summer even started. I think by April, the trailer was probably in front of every movie I saw. Hmm. Yeah. That's probably why I never knew about it, because I wasn't in the theaters watching trailers. The last movie you saw in the theater was? Oh, I don't know. Oh, oh no. It was uh, Minions. Oh, wow. I thought it was Top Gun Maverick. That's right. You saw Minions. Yeah. Well, would be... Minions 2, The Rise of Gru, mm-hmm. which we will not be covering tonight, although I prefer that movie to Bullet Train, the film we're talking about tonight. <laughs> so, Bullet Train. Um, so, 
in terms of the plot, uh, this is a film about uh, a train full of all sorts of assassins, one of which, of course, is played by Brad Pitt. Um, although, uh, I mean, the movie begins with, uh, with a flashback, um, multiple flashbacks. Well, it actually begins with a father in the hospital because his son has fallen off of a building right. and is now unconscious. Yes. So we kind of have this, oh no, who is doing, who did that to this little boy? Yes. Okay, so we have that plot going. And then we meet Brad Pitt walking through the city of Tokyo. Tokyo, yeah. Um, talking to a mystery woman named Maria, who I guess is his handler and gives him jobs. You were very surprised by who's voicing the yeah, character. I didn't know it was Sandra Bullock. <laughs> I had no idea. Really? Yeah, no. Hmm. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, more about her. Okay, but uh, so Brad Pitt's code name in this movie for this job is Ladybug. In fact, that's his character's name for the entire film. Yes. Yeah. He's a the hitman with bad luck. Yes. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah, that's his. Uh, that's really it for the character. <laughs> yeah, and, and the whole premise is he's supposed to get on this bullet train, get a briefcase with money, and get off the train. So it should be a simple job, but as we see, it is not so simple. He's uh, not alone on the train. He's surrounded by other uh, other very colorfully attired and uh, uh, quaffed hitmen. I don't get to use the word quaffed uh, often enough, I don't think. Um, a lot of actors uh, that I really like. Um, you know, uh, gosh. Well, so- we meet Lemon and Tangerine. Oh, boy. <laughs> Again, like... I love the actors, but the, uh, uh, yeah, limited. Yeah, so Tangerine is played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, whose performance in Nocturnal Animals uh, continues to haunt me. I love this actor um, in the right role, right movie. He's fantastic. He gives this part his all, and he's uh, supported by Brian Tyree Henry, who I also love. Not in this movie. Um, Brian, Lemon is. Uh, one of the first things that really rubbed me the wrong way about this film, the character is obsessed with Thomas the Train Engine, and it's something that probably would have worked for one scene. It probably would have been a really funny bit that this character was obsessed with Thomas the Train Engine. It's that Thomas that- the Tank, I think. Is it Thomas the Tank? Oh, no, it's probably the train. It's Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, Tank. Okay. You're right. Well, I'm yeah. very impressed because you've never, have you ever watched that? Not well, not really. B was never really into it. So. I've seen the Thomas the Tank Engine movie, oh, which has uh, Alec Baldwin in it as the conductor. Hmm. He has the immortal line, "I gotta make the gold dust." Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, I. I mean, but there is a payoff at the end. Well, it's such a long film. Yeah. And again, it, it's one thing to have a payoff that kind of calls back to that, but the film is relentless with this with the Thomas references. And it's you know it, it, whatever it's it's a pop culture reference it's a nice con well nice contrast there it's meant to be this really colorful contrast to what's going on but right from the beginning right from the very beginning we can see what this film wants to be which is a Tarantino film yeah it's throwing out the pop culture references it's you know it's got a really nice mix of 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 tunes on the soundtrack it's got this really colorful cast and you know this this is a movie about. Uh, hitmen with different codes of honor, uh, different walks of life. Clearly, it's taking from the Tarantino playbook. Well, I said to you at the end, I'm like, that really reminded me of Kill Bill. It, and- it's exactly like Kill Bill. But unfortunately, the movie, I mean, what it really reminded me of was, was is, a, is a bad Guy Ritchie film. This, this, <laughs> it, it's just, it's trying too hard. It's way too slick. 
And, you know, we'll get more into the characters and whatnot, but, like, this movie is basically a series of fight scenes. And after a while, they become interchangeable, they become really dull, uh, they become inevitable, um, to a point where it's just, like, there's there's just not a lot there. For a movie that is so, you know, you know certainly overwritten in some cases... Um, I should mention it's it's based on it's based on this 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 really well regarded novel by uh, Kotaro uh, excuse me Kotaro Isaka Kotaro Isaka who wrote it in 2010 um, and apparently uh, Isaka is happy with the with the film version okay that's fine um, yeah and the the screenplay was not written by him uh, the film is it's from the director I believe he did Deadpool two is that the is that the guy yeah David Lynch yeah Deadpool two who uh, but he also directed a film I loved which is Atomic Blonde which is one of my favorite comic book movies of the last twenty years actually but uh, yeah this is a uh, you know this this is this is a stuntman turned filmmaker and it really shows but the thing is this is not a John Wick sort of film for one thing the fight scenes are cut so severely. You could tell when, when we're not looking at an actor, when, we could, when we're looking at a stunt person, because you know, an actor will have their back to us, and we'll be like, okay, that's clearly not Brad Pitt for that shot. That's clearly not Joey King for that shot. A lot of that kind of cheating happens. I never really noticed. Hey, well, you know, you notice it or not, some of the fight scenes are really cool. But the biggest problem I had with them is not only are they just like, God, another one, another. Like This movie is just talking and fighting. Talk, and it's so much talk. Way too much talk. Can I talk about one of the hitmen for a second? Sure. Okay. So there's this hitman called the wolf. Yes. Oh, sorry. Just dropping things over here. Um, and they get into a lot of backstory with this guy, like how he becomes like the second in command for this other gangster guy and you know then how he falls in love with this woman and then they get married i mean there's there's it goes on for quite a quite a bit of time and then it shows their wedding and they're at the reception and everybody gets poisoned except for him and so now he's on a revenge spree and um he gets on the train this bullet train sees brad pitt's ladybug character and they get into a fight and then he he dies right there and so like his whole story i was like oh that's it like he's here and then he's gone it's the futility of life man that's what happens on a bullet train you know sometimes you make it sometimes you don't make your stop you know (laughs) well and then the other thing this movie does is it shows the same flashbacks over 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 and over over again again. the wolf scene in particular the, the wedding by the way the wedding massacre if you remember um breaking bad did a very similar scene do you remember that with young Carlo Esposito's character? Oh, remember that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, really nasty bit of business there too. You know, obviously a wedding slaughter is pretty awful, and this you know they keep well, showing so did Tombstone. Uh, uh, well, uh, this is grosser because yeah, you know they're know. vomiting blood to death. Exactly. Um, and they show it over and over and over again. The the, the snowy business at the beginning with the the Minigishi uh, crime family. They they go back to that. It's so many flashbacks that uh, you know Brad Pitt being the star of this film it's it's a nice center because there's a looseness to the character and certainly a looseness to his performance but 
even that bothered me after a while because after a while the character is is kind of insufferable he's full of like these really flighty almost like new agey platitudes and he there's just nothing at stake with this guy and he's just walking through the train talking to maria on his bluetooth i guess and just making yeah like you said just like well you know nothing ever goes my way and then he just like all of a sudden, like, throws a knife in someone's face, and then he just keeps talking, and you're like, I don't get it. There's no suspense at all. No. Clearly, Brad Pitt is going to make it to the end of the film. Clearly. And also, uh, they keep cutting away to these flashbacks, and it takes away any tension. This movie should stay on the freaking train. Stay on the train. They keep cutting. Yeah, it would have been better if we yeah. didn't know who these people were, and they and they're all on the train, and we know that they're like against each other, yeah. but we don't really know why until the very end. Yeah. I think that would have been more suspenseful. The backstories don't always work. They don't always engage. In some cases, they're speed bumps. Uh, that, you know, it's like, take us back to the tension that's building on the train. But after a while, the whole MacGuffin of the suitcase, the MacGuffin of, you know, who this person has to kill this person or this body has to be disposed of. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's it, it winds up being these these dangling plot threads that are like the, the film either just forgets or it takes way too much time trying to wrap up. Um but like again, like it just it feels like it's trying really hard to do Tarantino. There was a period in American movies after Pulp Fiction where everybody was trying to do Pulp Fiction. It was a very it was an interesting time when indie cinema, in particular, but also even commercial movies, if it was a crime movie, suddenly everybody is talking hip. They're they're uh, making pop culture references. It's very irreverent. It's you know very talking about cinema and and everything that's really cool with the zeitgeist. Suddenly, like every movie was trying to be tarantino-esque and you just no like tarantino love him or hate him he is he's like our new shakespeare he really is like he you know inglorious bastards and uh certainly once upon a time in hollywood also with brad pitt those movies are kind of untouchable Mm. they're they're the brilliance of those movies there's just in terms of american filmmaking it's it's definitely a peak in so many ways he's not our greatest living filmmaker but he's up there and he's important and this is an example of someone who clearly wants to do that, but he also wants to make this flashy summer movie. And after a while, not only do the fights become interchangeable, but the thing that drives me crazy and really took me out of the movie was for a film this expensive and elaborate, the special effects are terrible. The fire in this movie, clearly flaming fire. Whenever someone is is decapitated or cut, the blood spurting out is clearly CGI. And then not to get too ahead of it, but at the end of the film, when, when it's a train pileup, Oh my gosh, it's like video game graphics. And by the way, gamers going, hey, uh, excuse me, guys. This is like 2004 video game graphics, okay? This is not like cool now. It, it looks so dated and corny. Even that uh, that Tony Scott movie, Unstoppable, had better train effects. This this movie, I mean, it, it looks and feels like a cartoon. Um, okay. Nothing at stake here. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the the white death so he's like the main guy that everyone oh, is kind of against oh and michael shannon no yeah, yes no michael shannon with a russian accent no <laughs> i love that this is a brilliant actor he is brilliant but when when he embarrasses himself it's so awful it's like when he played zod in that superman movie and in this like, okay oh. did you think his performance was embarrassing yes i was so embarrassed for this I, this is a brilliant <laughs> actor 
And oh, this is this is this is bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, were you a little bit like? We're clearly not fans of this movie. Were, Sorry. Were you a little bit like, oh, the Russians are the bad guys? Oh, typical. Uh I mean, I, I honestly, there, there's so many villains. Like, um, does it matter? Because yeah, everyone's a, a bad guy. Everyone's a bad guy, but it, it's not in a way that's that's interesting. I mean, you know, again, to go with Pulp Fiction, which is a movie with you know a budget, uh, you know. Pulp Fiction, every every cent that was put on that movie couldn't afford the catering budget of this movie. Pulp Fiction is about a movie of villains, of bad people. And we see their human side because it's well-developed. And the dialogue is very careful, not only to pepper it with pop culture, but also with these odd details. Where we still talk about the foot massage and the, and the you know, Royale with cheese and the weird things that these awful criminals are talking about in between all these awful moments of their lives. And in this, between all the nonstop blather about Thomas, the, the train engine, uh, it, it's it's a lot of exposition. And there's just, as you said, it, there's so much of it that, like, I, I got lost in, uh, you know, just like, who should I even care for? There's some wonderful people That's in this movie. That's the thing. I was started to take some notes on this movie for the plot, and I could not keep up. I was like, this is very convoluted. <laughs> but um, I wanted to talk about the character, the prince, the girl. Okay. Because she's the one who kind of ties it all together. This is Joey King. Yeah. yeah. She's a good actress. Yeah. And the thing I liked about her is she's unexpected. But also, what I don't like that the movie does is it kind of shows the stuff that she does. So she ends up killing her brother, but we don't know that's her brother. And she like spits on him. And then when we find out that it's her brother, it's like a flashback of her spitting on him. So we're like, Oh, that's why she spit on him. I mean, I just don't, the whole movie does stuff like that. Yeah. So it's not like it's, so you keep, you're kind of watching the same scenes like over and over again Mm -hmm. from a different perspective, like with new understanding. And I don't, I don't know. It's like if you're going to do it at the end, you know, like, um, oh, what's that Kevin Spacey movie where... The Usual Suspects. Yeah. So at the end, you it all makes sense. But while you're watching it, you're like, I don't, I don't know. Like you're watching one movie and then at the end, it puts all the pieces together and you're like, oh, okay. I was actually watching this movie. This does it throughout the whole thing. Yeah. It's... I don't need everything to connect I don't need to understand everything. I'm okay with how convoluted the film was. If I was engaged, I wouldn't care. And in fact, if I was engaged, I'd want to see this film a second time. Like, I want to understand how everything is connected. But there's so many aspects where I'm like, okay, this should have been the film or this should have been its own film. Um, you know, and, and again, I'm, I, I've not read the source material. I haven't. And I can't say if if, uh, if it would have worked better, if there was just less plot, or if they sliced the plot, whatever the case is. I'll say this. I do know that the novel Bullet Train was made into a stage play. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I'd like to see that. I wonder if it's less like wall-to-wall you know, fight Action, scenes. Yeah. yeah. And if that, it more actually, psychological. If it is more, you know, yeah, more of, a, more of a character piece. Um because there's a lot of characters here, but really, after a while, they're action figures, and some of them live, some of them die. Zazie Beach shows up in one scene where it turns out she's been uh, in the film, oh, basically in disguise. Oh, 
um, as, as yeah, as this as this mascot for this particular card of the train. She's been abused. It's 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 kind of a funny joke. But then when she's finally in the movie, she has this very violent scene with Brad Pitt. Every scene, every scene in this movie is very violent. It's a violent cartoon. She has this violent scene with him, and then she exits the film, and it's like God. Between this and Joker, this this very good actress, like she can't get a break. Like she's a good actress, and they keep giving her these nothing roles. And then one of oh, such a wonderful actor. Um, it is Hiro, Hiroyuki. Excuse me, sorry, a little tongue tied. Hiroyuki Sanada. Hiroyuki Sanada was in The Last Samurai. That was the first time I ever noticed him, and he has a, a supporting role here as the elder. Um, he's a wonderful actor, and this is another film that just completely misuses him. Because really, the master of ceremonies here is Pitt. Pitt is, you know, Pitt is such a fantastic actor, but sometimes when he goes after the big Hollywood projects, it doesn't always work out. I mean, you know, World War Z worked. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith worked. This movie was successful. Um, and I think it was also because it was the end of summer and it was, it was you know, one of the last big films out there and people wanted to see it. And the trailer was great and the trailer was ubiquitous. But uh, it doesn't really play to his strengths. There's there's a real one note quality to this character, and you know, in a sense, like I'm a, I'm a little disappointed that he would even choose this film because, you know, Brad Pitt, one of his first breakout roles was a Tarantino script. He didn't uh, Tarantino didn't direct the film, but it was True Romance, which Tarantino wrote, which I love, and then of course uh, Inglorious Bastards, and then of course uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like Pitt is 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 one of Tarantino's guys, so if anything, I, it's like why is this guy who's like one of the premier Tarantino actors wasting his time in this movie, which is a big garish one hundred million dollar studio cartoon that desperately wants to be on the Tarantino level and just can't touch it. Mm. Yeah, this movie is so overwritten. The water bottle gets a subplot. The water bottle. And like, it should be cute, except it almost feels like a self-parody. Well, it is a self-parody moment, but it, uh, the movie is, the film doesn't realize like, yeah, movie, that's exactly right. You suck film because you're, there's too much. If this, you know, the fact that there, you know, the self-aware moment, it's like, yeah, you should have cut things down. The fact that this water bottle has this sequence that's this tour de force of how this water bottle came to be in the movie. It's like, I want to like it because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the few moments of true wit in this movie. Really. It's one of the few witty moments in this movie. It comes out of nowhere, but at the same time, it's like, here's another thing that it's spent so much money on that doesn't really do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then so yeah, so we get to the end of the film, which I, seriously, like it came out in 1995, but Under Siege Two, Dark Territory, better train movie, better train wreck movie. When you get to the big spectacular train crash at the end of this film, it just there's there's no stakes. It doesn't look real. Um, okay, but yeah, before we get to the train crash, okay. isn't this where the Thomas the Tank Engine stuff all comes together? <laughs> Because that, I'm sure that's how they'd like to look at it. Because um, lemon or tangerine, I don't know, <laughs> puts puts a sticker on Prince mm-hmm. on what's her face, and so then they know that she's the bad guy. Because everyone is just like, you know, oh, she's such a good actress. She obviously, you know, is being is a victim here, even though she's kind of one of the masterminds behind all of this. And she's doing everything to, like, kill her dad, the White Death, who these other people are working for. So, 
when they see the sticker, they know that she's the one and needs to be killed. So that's kind of, do you feel like if he had just talked about Thomas that one time and then the sticker thing yes. came up, yes. like we would, it would have been fine. Yes. But because they keep talking about it and then he like is giving out stickers, it's kind of like, okay. It's like, is, is there a tie-in with Thomas the Tank Engine that, that this, you know, it, it's so, it's just, it's nonstop. It, it's crazy how much they talk about it to a point where like it's not even funny or witty anymore. It's obnoxious. The character is no longer endearing, and the movie is losing us because because it's trying to make this connection with this endearing character and how every character there uh, gives us a life lesson. You know, it, it's it's like it's it's pseudo hip. The whole movie is so detached and you know self satisfied, and that's we haven't even mentioned the glorious cameos in this movie too. Yeah, I just want to mention Le- Lemon and Tangerine one more time because okay. they kind of show them, they show their flashbacks more than once. But at one point they say that they're brothers and people are like, uh, how's that possible? Because, you know, it's a white guy and a black guy. And then at the very end, when Lemon is dead and Tangerine is crying over him, you see that they were like um, foster kids together. Um, I don't know. Did that do anything for you? Not a thing. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. No, at that point, I was so checked out of this movie. There's a <laughs> flashback, a, a very lengthy flashback showing all the kills that they did together. Oh, oh yeah. Were they counting them? Yeah. It, it's, again, like this is this is like bad guy Richie. This is not. This is not great. This is not Deadpool, by the way. Deadpool is smart. Deadpool is a comedy about these kinds of movies. Deadpool is making fun of action movies. It's making fun of the pomposity of comic book movies. Like we're gonna look back to Deadpool movies a few years from now and be like, oh, okay, that that film is actually a parody of a lot of the most popular movies right now. Bullet Train is part of the problem. This is this is the kind of studio crap they shouldn't be making, and they got away with it. They'll probably be a Bullet Train too. Let's face it. Hmm. Okay, so cameos. Cameos, well, um, you know, it's it, again, like it feels like a phone a friend kind of thing. Like it, it's these kind of cameos don't impress me. I feel like if you're a 13 year old girl, you're going to be really impressed. Who's in this movie, guys? Oh my God, it, Channing Tatum. Okay, oh my God, Channing Tatum is in this movie, guys. Oh yeah. Channing Tatum. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, then Ryan Reynolds is in it for like seven seconds. Um, and then after the, 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 the just nonstop CGI overly glossy phoniness of that, of that finale, we finally see that Sandra Bullock is in the film. She enters the, and I gotta say like the Sandra Bullock cameo at the end of the movie, um, I could be wrong, but it looks like she and her co-star Brad Pitt shot their scenes on separate days and were digitally spliced together. Really? Because the lighting is weird. Oh. Because it looks like he's looking at a sunset and it looks like she's underlit. It's weird. And by the way, she looks terrible. Yeah, Um, she has like a weird mullet. She has like Julia Roberts hair from Hook, which is not (laughs) an attractive look on anybody. I don't know why they would do that to her because the character is clearly as exotic as the rest of these mutts on a train. So why can't she look beautiful and sexy? It's weird that she comes up to basically pick up Brad Pitt and save the movie and, and, you know, and, and, and see us out. Um, yeah, she, she looks like Carmen Sandiego, I guess. (laughs) 
so yeah, that's a mistake. And then um, you get the movie, the, excuse me, the scene, the post credit scene that I hated so much that I thought, okay, this is, this is what, like, I don't, I don't like the film, but now I, I really have such animosity for it. The, let's see. So it's a uh, lemon, lemonade. Oh, no, Tangerine, Tangerine is the one who survives. Uh, no, it's Lemon. Oh, it's Lemon? Remember Lemon? Yeah, Lemon oh, survives. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, it's Lemon. No. How, do I rem- how are you supposed to remember that? Okay, okay. Lemon's the one No, I just want to make the... Because, you know, because I... A, I'm sure people who love this movie listen to this going, guys, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. And also, we got to get the details right because you don't, you don't want to get that kind of email. But yeah, so Lemon is driving a truck um, and uh, the truck kills uh, Joey King's character, the prince. Mm-hmm. And the truck is full of oranges, which is a nod to the Godfather, of course. Um, and Tangerine. Were they Tangerines? Yeah. Okay. I they weren't he, oranges? I think he was like, Tangerines, it's a sign. Okay. Because he... I, I thought they were oranges. I'm like, okay, that's a Godfather references because oranges always, uh, you know, are I mean, it could have been predate. both. In any case, and they like they cut to him like celebrating as he's driving away, and that's like one of the last shots of the film. And I'm like, that's so stupid. <laughs> what a terrible, so what a terrible stupid. way to end this bad movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like you know, I'm a, I'm a popcorn movie guy. I swear to you, I am. You wouldn't believe it to listen to this, but I, I really love popcorn movies. Um, not this one, not this one at all. I, I found it obnoxious, really obnoxious. And, and I just, I couldn't get into it. It just, it felt like, it feels like seven movies spliced together. Um, and yeah, Pitt's wonderful, but, uh, not always in this. And, and he, I don't think he was enough to center it. Um, although, it, you know, the best scenes in the movie are, are, are his, I think. Yeah. I kind of kept waiting for them to go back to him. Because yeah. I'm like, wait, who, who's this? Who's that? What's the, that guy doing? Yeah, the, the movie goes on so long, and there's they cut away from the train so many times, and there's so many subplots. It gets it gets to a point where like I don't even like oh that's right this was about a suitcase and that's right there's a body here like there's there's so many things oh, there's also a poisonous snake somewhere yeah yeah again like I don't mind a movie that's convoluted or very complicated with its plotting you engage me you engage the heart you engage the mind I'm there but yeah this movie I'm like I'm just watching all this nonsense and uh, uh, you know and fight scenes like this they're just they're so heavily choreographed. To a point where like, it doesn't even look like a real fight. It's like, okay, it's like, punch and kick and block and and kick and punch. You know, it's just, it, it looks like the choreography. It doesn't look like how regular people would fight. I mean, they're defying gravity. I mean, really defying gravity. At one point, Aaron Taylor Johnson uses his fists to pound his way back into the train. Oh, Do you remember yeah. that? How crazy that is? Yeah. Okay, it's a bullet like, train. This is a- he's on the outside and he's climbing on the nose of the train this and is he, a cartoon he like punches through like no it's a bullet train you would have flown off like a tiny ant yeah and then there's that scene of course where he and, and Pitt are being dragged outside which is the the big money shot in the trailer it's like it's it's fun but again it's like when a movie is this ridiculous it, it you know and if it were funny it's not. If it were exciting, it's not. And it's just, it's not fully engaging because for all of the action and all the bloodshed, there just, there really isn't one character to uh, grab onto. Yeah. 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 Well, so how many stars did you give it? <laughs> one. You gave it one star? Yeah. I don't think it's good. Wow. 
I was not expecting you to say that. You know, it's it's a film that people worked very hard on. Uh, it's a very elaborate film, but it's 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 an action movie with action sequences that are really choppy. And I mean, uh, look, there isn't a minute of this movie, a minute of it tops that Kill Bill doesn't top. I mean, like Kill Bill is what this movie wants to be. Just see Kill Bill, Volume One and Volume Two again. You don't need to see Bullet Train. You don't. It's you know. It's, I mean, I would see Kill Bill Volume One and Volume Two again. Kill Bill is about something. It's 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 about motherhood. It's about how 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 uh, horrendous it can be to be a mother. How the sacrifice that women make. That movie is about something. Bullet Train isn't about anything. Perhaps the book was about something, but I think it's gotten lost in this movie. You could say the film is about how childhood heroes make us who we are. I think it's a little bit about are. fatherhood. I think they try to make it about fatherhood. These are like lost children in a sense. I mean, well, after all, the one character was dressed like a mascot who gets punched. Well, no, because there's the dad. Right, the boy at the beginning. The Yeah, yeah, but his dad. And then that, the dad of the little boy, his dad is the elder. So they've got three generations, right? And then we have the white death, who's a father and his son was a disappointment. His daughter's trying to kill him. You know, so there are some some of those themes. But I, I don't know that there, there's so many other characters that everything gets lost, you know. Honestly, you bring him up, I forgot about those characters. Oh. <laughs> and I shouldn't because if a movie begins with a little boy who's been thrown off a ledge, I should really be invested in that. No, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. I and I just mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. So. Yeah, it's like part, you know, and the movie thinks it's hilarious, and I guess there are audiences who agree with that. But uh, no, Pitt's made better films. Uh, the director has made better films. I thought Pitt was better in The Lost City. Well, isn't it interesting that? And he I does... wished he had been in that one more and not in this one. Mm, interesting. And I thought Channing Tatum was better in Bullet Train. <laughs> and Sandra Bullock. I didn't really enjoy her in either movie as much. Yeah, I don't think that trio had a very good year. No. No. Um, I think The Lost City, the Brad Pitt portion of that film is better than Bullet Train. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't like this film. Um, I, You know, again, it's popular. Yeah, you gave and... it one star. So, what... yeah. okay. Not a fan. So what would you change about... Everything. Everything. Okay, everything. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, look, it, it, for one thing, you know what? This, this should be a Japanese film. Mm. It's a film about Japan. It's a film about Japanese people. It's a film about Japanese mafia and codes of ethic. It's about Japanese pop culture, how it all intertwines on this train and how American pop culture, or or excuse me, Thomas the Tank Engine, that's, that's European pop culture. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's not American. Um, Thomas the Tank Engine, how that has, you know, influenced these, blah, 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 blah. I, I feel like this, this, this story had a Japanese identity. And it's, I don't know if, I mean, maybe others, well, actually, I do know a film critic who's accused this film of whitewashing. Um, I think for starters, yeah, it should be a Japanese film. I feel like there is an element of tourism to the way this movie is, is portraying Japanese pop culture and, you know, uh, depicting Tokyo in a, in a very, very tourist way. There's something exotic about the premise. Certainly there's something exotic about riding a bullet train. The movie never captures that. Mm. The best movies that take place on trains capture the journey. In this case, I mean, you're looking out the window. It's all just CGI nonsense. The movie is, like, the special effects here are so cruddy. They're going to look really bad in less than five years. 
I got to say, like, you know, James Cameron has his new Avatar movie coming out really soon. And, you know, the first Avatar came out in 2009. People make fun of him endlessly for, you know, spending decades making these movies about his magical blue people. But here's the thing. Even the first Avatar, the effects are immaculate, frame by frame. They are beautiful. The way the imagery uh, is captured by lights, the way the reflections, watery reflections, shadow. He just, the guy will not allow a frame of his movies to be seen until they're perfect, until the visuals look real and authentic, as well as multidimensional. None of that is happening here. And this is a big, expensive film. I really never believed in the bullet train. It always looked like CGI cartoon nonsense. And I've, after a while, that's how I felt about the fight scenes, too. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, no, there's great action movies out there. This is not one of them. This is, this is nonsense. Nonsense. You heard it here first. I've never sounded more like my father right now. <laughs> this is nonsense. <laughs> this movie stinks. It stinks. There you go. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah, so sorry, sorry, folks. I, I don't. You know, I'm normally not so grumpy and hating on a movie. So, so is this even going to be fun to listen to? <laughs> Maybe not. Well, not if you're not if you're you know not if you're the director of Bullet Train or Brad Pitt. Uh, and I don't. They're they're laughing all the way to the bank. They could care less go. what I think of this movie. But no, I look. There's there there's some great action movies that came out this year. Top Gun Maverick being one of them. But I think everyone's already seen that movie twice by now. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, the movie stinks. See something else. See everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh yeah, that's a great one. That's one of the best films, if not the best film of 2022. Yep. And that movie didn't cost very much to make at all. And that it's would, a masterpiece. That would also be a really hard one to talk about because there's so much going on. And I don't think we could do it justice. But you know what? Emotionally involved. Yes. From top to bottom. Yes. First scene to last. Yes. I cared about every single Me character. Too. There's a lot of characters. So much stuff going on. And Never. that's also about motherhood. Interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. So, better movie. Everything, yeah. everywhere, all at once. If that's the takeaway, please see that. If you haven't seen Bullet Train, you're only listening to this podcast, you're welcome. I'm glad we can save <laughs> you some time. And if you've seen Bullet Train and you love the film and you're listening to this, apologize. But if you haven't seen Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, you're in for a treat. Yes. All right. That does it for us. Have a good night. Toot, toot.